are jumping into this new series on wisdom, and I just came uh, past last Sunday. I left after church to go to our Vineyard Regional Conference, which um, includes, you know, we're Midwest Central region, so pastors from that area gathered together. Um, and there, there was a pastor, Charles Montgomery. He is from Ohio, the Columbus Vineyard, and he shared a message about Nehemiah and rebuilding. And I just felt like um, the Holy Spirit wanted me to share that wisdom with you before we jump into our series. Uh, I felt like it was like, yes, we do need to just remind ourselves of the landscape that we are in and encourage our spirits of the mission of rebuilding. Uh, and it was so encouraging to me, so I've gleaned some things from him, and I'm going to share them with you. And then next week, we will jump into our new series. Um, you know, this past week, I was reading some stories about uh, the war in Ukraine. And, you know, millions of people, right, have lost their homeland because of the ongoing war. And I was reading about one specific individual who was trying to escape Ukraine, um, but he knew that he was going to be interrogated by some Russian forces before he was allowed to flee. And in preparation for that, he was like a tech guy, worked at this big company. He tried to erase all like the his data out there that would point to anything that would take him down, you know? He tried to erase as much on his phone, hard drive, laptop, everything, right? But there were these few social media posts that he could not get rid of, right? And the uh, Russian forces found those posts and used them against him that he was supportive of his Ukrainian president, and was against um, Russia. And so they then, you know, took him captive, right? And um, he went through horrific uh, abuse and beatings. He talked about being electrocuted so bad that his um, fillings fell out and he almost choked on them. Um, he had eyesight loss and he had broken ribs. And his family was waiting for him to be released. And he was hoping to join his family, I think his extended you know, family, um, and then flee to Germany. But they told his family that he couldn't leave, they couldn't release him, that he was being re-educated. And um, they let his family uh, you know, go to Germany, but they eventually released him from prison on the terms that he had to relocate in Russia, right? He couldn't go anywhere else. He, had, he was only free if he went to relocate in Russia. And it was just a, heart, a heartbreaking story. Like, there wasn't, there wasn't a resolve to it. Um, but he was able to share his story for the world on the news. And I, you know, you have these moments where you just see the true evil and, and things that are in this world that we live in today. Well, you know, in our scriptures, in our ancient scriptures, the Jewish people, they also went through a time of exile when they were relocated to a different place because of world powers. 
and they were in exile for 70 years. And eventually, uh, a new world power comes in, and they are allowed to come back to their homeland, to Jerusalem. Okay? And when they come back, it's not in good condition. Jerusalem is in ruins, right? In the same way that you can imagine the Ukraine people that have fled their homes, if they come back, they have come back to destruction, right? And so the Jews are coming back to their homeland, to Jerusalem, and it's in ruins. And there's this character, Nehemiah, and he is the cupbearer to the king, which is a pretty prominent position. And he catches wind that the his people and Jerusalem is in ruins, that um, the city wall specifically has been destroyed. And so this is his response in the book of Nehemiah. He says, when I heard this, I sat down and wept. I mourned for days, fasting and praying before the God of heaven. I said, God, God of heaven, the great and awesome God, loyal to his covenant and faithful to those who love and obey his commands. Look at me, listen to me, pay attention to this prayer of your servant that I'm praying day and night in intercession for your servants, the people of Israel, confessing the sins of the people of Israel. And I'm including myself, I and my ancestors among those who have sinned against you. We've treated you like dirt. We haven't done what you told us, haven't followed your commands and haven't respected the decisions you gave to your servant Moses. All the same, remember the warning you posted to your servant Moses. If you betray me, I'll scatter you to the four winds. But if you come back to me and do what I tell you, I'll gather up those scattered people from wherever they ended up and put them back in the place I chose to mark with my name. You know, so Nehemiah is, is moved to great anguish in his spirit over the condition of Jerusalem. He's, he knows this is the city where God has chosen to dwell with his people. God, would you restore this city? God, would you restore your people? God, would you restore their lives? God, would you restore our worship of you? Forgive us for what we have done. And he, he takes this request to the king, right? Because he has access to the king. He's the cupbearer. And the king blesses him. He gives him permission. Go, Nehemiah. Go rebuild your city. Go do this work. And so he goes. He goes and on this mission of rebuilding. And almost immediately, there's two characters that enter into this story. Sanballat and Tobiah. And they're two um, basically enemies. They're in opposition to this mission throughout the whole thing. And the scripture says this. <laughs> it says these two characters, this is talking about them, it says they were very upset that anyone would come to look after the interests of the people of Israel. So they're ticked off. And they are going to do everything they can uh, to thwart this mission of rebuilding. And here is the truth about the mission of rebuilding. It is going to include discouragement. It's going to include discouragement. 
we should expect discouragement. It's not about if it's going to come along. It's more about when is it going to come along? How often is it going to come along? And what are these signposts that show us, oh, it's creeping at the door. It's right on our doorstep. I feel it coming. It's here, right? The enemy is against anything that brings glory to God. Plain and simple. And so the rebuilding of Jerusalem is bringing great glory to God. It is reestablishing the mission that God gave his people to be a light to the nations, to bring his glory um, as a witness around the world. And so the enemy is after that. Now, rebuilding in today's terms, rebuilding the church in today's terms brings great glory to God. And guess who is against that? Our enemy, Satan. And, you know, we aren't only rebuilding the infrastructure of the church as far as like gathering people and inviting people and bringing our community back to church, but we are really rebuilding people's lives, spiritual lives centered around the life of Jesus. That is our calling. And that is our mission, to do this rebuilding work with Jesus. If you are um, in a place of darkness because of the brokenness of this world, the, the brokenness of our own lives, you need rebuilding. We need the gospel of Jesus to rebuild us right? The restoration of the cross. We need him to rebuild our lives from the inside out. If, if you've never said yes to the forgiveness of the Father, the restoration of Jesus, the power and love of the Holy Spirit, there is no better day than today to say yes to the rebuilding of Jesus in your life. This is what 1 Peter says in the New Testament. He says, He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds you are healed. Once you were like sheep who wandered away, but now you have turned to your shepherd, the guardian of your souls. We can be free from, from the sin and the brokenness and the, and the, the things that weigh our heart down into darkness. We can be made new from the inside out. And so I, you know, I'm just going to pause for just a moment. And if you're listening um, to this message online, you listen later, you're here, you've never said yes to Jesus, we're just going to close our eyes. We're going to just, I'm going to say this prayer. And you can agree in your heart. You can hear it maybe even for the first time. Jesus, thank you for making me and loving me, even when I've ignored you and gone my own way. I realize I need you in my life, and I'm sorry for my sins. I choose to turn away from all of my substitutes for you. I repent for all the ways I choose to fill the hole inside myself with what is not you, and I ask for your forgiveness for dying on the cross. 
I accept your free gift of salvation, and in the best way, I know how I want to follow you. Amen. You know, back in high school is when I felt the call to go into ministry, and I had no idea what that would look like. And if you uh, were to tell me today that I'd be doing what I was doing, I would just laugh at you and say, there's no, there's no way. (laughs) I don't even like public speaking. You've got to be kidding me. Um, But, you know, the Lord is interesting and humorous and has his, his ways that he slowly invites us in and invites us in and invites us in until... We're here, right? You know, just like me. Um, But back in high school, he deposited this verse into my life. And I'm I'm not even sure why, but it's interesting. I found this when we were moving. So I'm an art person. I had all my art like in a, you know, big folder thingy that you carry around and move things. And I pulled this out and I'm like, this is so interesting that I, that God put this verse in my heart in high school because now I'm, I'm really living it out. So, you know, here it is, Isaiah 58, 12. And your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations. You shall be called the repairer. And it continues on, but I, I guess I didn't write it. <laughs> um, of the breach, the restorer of streets to dwell in. Maybe I had plans to finish it. I don't even know, you know? I just pulled this out, and I thought, that is so fascinating. Because I feel like this is the call our church has had since we came here two years ago. We are rebuilding, um, you know, not just the infrastructure of the church, but generations to be changed from this point on because of the spiritual renewal that is found here at life. And this verse, it, it calls that into view, right? It's not, it's not just the physical things that need rebuilding, but generations that need renewing and restoring. And it really is like a metaphor for the human condition that needs the life-giving power and presence of God to change and restore generations, right? To bring healing and forgiveness and freedom so that all the dead things are restored and brought back to life. This is a mission that is worth giving our lives to because it's, it's going to go on to bring eternal fruit. It's going to have eternal significance that's going to outlast us when generations are changed and go on and go on to see spiritual renewal bring fruit. So we're going to glean... Just a few signposts from Nehemiah. If we're in this rebuilding work together, how do we look for when discouragement is going to kind of take us quickly? The first one is when you are fatigued. When you are fatigued, okay? Now, fatigue can come in a few different forms. Sure, you could not be sleeping really well, right? That's one uh, aspect of fatigue. You know, maybe your sleep is interrupted, you know, by children throughout the night. We've all, we've all been there. Um, 
Maybe you just have that like dreaded 3 a.m. wake up where it just seems like the house is quiet, but your mind just like turns on at 3 a.m., right? And then it's just like, right? You got your to-do list going. Maybe you're reviewing a stressful situation. Um, you know, it's just like replaying those anxious thoughts. Man, the 3 a.m. wake up is the worst. <laughs> I might know by some experience. Um, maybe you're just like emotionally tired, right? There's, there's things going on also in your life that are taking a lot of emotional energy. For me, parenting takes a lot of emotional energy. And specifically for me, I have to kind of like, to, you know, make some extra space in the summer because all my kids are home in the summer. And it takes more emotional energy for me to be fully present and parent well um, without getting kind of emotionally tapped out. And so I kind of have to prepare for the rhythm of life that, that is the summer. But maybe there's just something else straining in your life that is taking that emotional fatigue. It can also just come with living in our current society, right? You hear the news, we're, we're bombarded with just thing after thing, recession and the economy and the gas prices and disease and war and shooting. And it's fatiguing to be just in our current society, in our current landscape. It's tiring. And so we have to have our radars up for those levels of fatigue and how much are we taking in. And we need to take some personal inventory to give ourselves some rest for this work of rebuilding. This is what Nehemiah says. Okay, he goes to Jerusalem. He secretly kind of surveys the land and, and sees the, the extent of the destruction. So he knows what he's getting into. And then he comes back to give this official report. And he says, face it, we're in a bad way here. Jerusalem's a wreck. Its gates are burned up. Come, let's rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and not live in this disgrace any longer. I told them how God was supporting me, supporting me and how the king was backing me up. And they said, we're with you. Let's get started. And they rolled up their sleeves, ready for this good work. And then when Sanballat and Tobiah heard about it, guess what? They laughed at us, mocking. Ha, huh, what do you think you're doing? Do you think you can cross the king? I shot back. The God of heaven will make sure we succeed. We're his servants, and we're going to work for him, rebuilding. You can stick to your own business because you've got no say in this. Jerusalem's none of your business. So people were with him, right? They're, they're like, yes, let's get to work, Nehemiah. We're ready to rebuild the city. And immediately, the discouragement comes in the form of criticism here, right? You can't do that. There's no way. The odds are against you. And they become this constant enemy against the project. And that's signpost number two. So first we have when you're fatigued, and this is when you are frustrated. Specifically, the project has taken longer than anticipated. Oh, you've all been there, right? 
okay? Imagine starting a house project. You're like, okay, I got this. I'll get this done in one day, maybe this weekend. And how does that go for you, right? Okay, something goes wrong, right? You lost that bit. You don't have that bit. Okay, now you're taking one trip to Ace Hardware. All right, you come back. Oh, now you're taking two trips to Ace Hardware. You got to come back. Okay, now you ran out of something, and you're going all the way to Home Depot or Lowe's, or you got to order that thing online. Oh. Now this project that you thought you could get wrapped up in the weekend becomes an ongoing project that now you've got the next two weekends booked up. You don't have time to get back to it. So now what? It's, it's hanging around for a month, and you're just, you're just frustrated because you wanted and thought, hopefully, optimistically, that you could get that project done quickly. I think that we've all been there. Frustration. So we pick up Nehemiah's story in chapter 4, and it says, We kept at it, repairing and rebuilding the wall. The whole wall was soon joined together and halfway up, its, up to its intended height because the people had the heart for the work. So the wall is now finished halfway. <laughs> They're halfway done, right? And guess who comes on the scene? Sanballat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, the Ashadites heard that the repairs of the wall was going so well that the breaks in the wall were being fixed. And they were absolutely furious. So they put their heads together and decided to fight against Jerusalem and create as much trouble as they could. Hmm. We countered with prayer to our God and set a round-the-clock guard against them. They countered with prayer. And soon, the word was going around Judah, the builders are poop, pooped, the rubbish piles up. We're in over our heads. We can't build this wall, okay? So the enemies, they're, they're just like creating this, you know, like Facebook group, right? <laughs> and they're just saying, hey, guess what? They can't really do it over there. Look at them. They don't know how to do it. You know, they're criticizing them that the project is taking longer than expected, they can't do it, they don't have what it takes. It's just a, a, it's just a, a bunch of gossip against them, because actually it was going well. <laughs> but they wanted to take them down. You can see the frustration that they were facing in the, pro in the mission of rebuilding. Have you been there, you know? You take one step forward, two steps back. You have these little annoyances that just kind of follow you along throughout the project, throughout the mission. They don't completely go away the whole time you're rebuilding. That's Sanblot and Tobiah and a few others. But you know what? They countered with prayer. They countered with prayer. I think we overlook that so much. Right? I think like we, we try with our best human efforts to fix and strategize and make something happen with our own effort. And we kind of like 
tag prayer along to kind of just like bless the whole thing, (laughs) you know? But they countered with prayer as a key strategy. And I think that is super challenging to us to say we are going to counter our discouragement with prayer. We're going to just bathe ourselves in prayer. Going to God with our raw emotions, with our frustrations, with our hopes, with our dreams, with everything. We're going to stay in that communion with God and together as a community. That's a challenge for us to prioritize prayer. The third is when you face the possibility of failure, when you think that you can't do the task, you know, it's, it's not going to work out. You doubt, you doubt God. You doubt your own abilities. And sometimes even just thinking about failure can keep you from starting in the first place. But we need this whole body in the mission of rebuilding. Everybody in this church body matters. Everybody's gifts matters. From our people that sing and lead us into worship, to people who greet, to people who are loving our kids, to people who call and text and show up for one another and serve and clean this building and pray and love and visit and do all the things that we are doing to build this church community. We need you. And I think that we don't really participate in the possibility of what God can do unless we risk failure. Because it's a part of the journey. And really, the key is not to fear failure. Because the failure doesn't matter. It's when we fear it that gets us hung up. And that's our fourth and final thing to glean from Nehemiah is you can get discouraged when you are fearful. And this can be not just dealing with actual threats like the Sanballats and the Tobias in our life or in the situation, but, you know, the like perceived threats, you know, that anxiety that you have inside that we face internally. And so, Nehemiah says to his crew working on the wall, I stationed armed guards at the most vulnerable places of the wall, assigned people by families with their swords and their bows. And after looking things over, I stood up and spoke to the officials. Do not be afraid of them. Put your minds on the master, great and awesome. Put your mind on God. Well, that sounds like prayer, right? I mean, he's saying, you know, the threats just keep increasing for Nehemiah and the Jews rebuilding. But you know what? Their battle strategy was to remember God's faithfulness, put their mind on God, and pray. That was their strategy, along with some swords to actually defend their lives. (laughs) 
You know, the church of Jesus has made it through so many severe times. The church of Jesus Christ prevails throughout history. There's nothing that can come against the church, the people of Jesus, that will wipe it out. God is so faithful. The church of Jesus is going to continue the kingdom work of rebuilding people and, in, and inviting them to a relationship with him. But the work is going to include discouragement. And so we, we have to take some um, inventory of those signposts happening in our life as we are on this journey of rebuilding. And I love coming to church and hearing how God is working in each one of your lives. It's so encouraging to hear little stories of how God is working in your lives. We need that. We need to continue to encourage one another and point to his faithfulness, putting our minds on God. And you know what? At the conclusion of Nehemiah's wall building, when everything was finished and complete, it was the other nations that fell prey to fear because they witnessed the mighty work of God in this rebuilding effort. They knew that it wasn't just the people, but that there was an ultimate power, God, the God, empowering that whole rebuilding. And so they were fearful. So my call to action is, is really simple. I think there might be some music up there. They're fixing rebuilding. <laughs> Uh, the, the roof up here on Thursday when they were doing it, it was like, it was really loud. So I'm glad it's not like that because we'd all really be <laughs> shaken. Write out a prayer about this rebuilding. Write out a prayer about our church. You know, grab your, your phone, and I just like write things in the note section on my phone, you know? And so I'm going to end with a prayer that, that I wrote for our church, and I'm going to keep praying it. And I encourage you to do that. You are here and you are part of this mission of rebuilding and inviting people into the life-renewing presence and power of God. That's what we're doing. So write out a prayer and pray it throughout the course of this summer for our church. So this is, this is mine. You can pray it with me. I pray, God, that you will bring spiritual renewal throughout this region. I pray that your kingdom will come in greater measure to renew, restore, heal, and set people free and on the path of life with you. I pray that generations will be restored in the light of your presence. You, Lord, set the captives free and bring people from death to life. Make us a church that invites other people to experience your presence and power. At Life Community Church, we want you to experience the powerful, life-changing love of God. To learn more, go to lifemohammed.org. lifemohammed.org.